I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of Kofi uh, of comicbook.com. Kofi <laughs> Outlaw. The official podcast of Kofi Outlaw. Nobody wants that. Canceled yes. within one season. Uh, I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and I was just getting weirded out because it looks like I'm sitting here with my buddy James Gunn in the studio. It does. Here, it looks like he's sitting next to you. Yeah, and he's very disapprovingly. In that. <laughs> and uh, that's probably pretty accurate for the show we have today. We are the show that does it all for geek culture, and today we are going to prove it because we are going to be going all over the place to talk about the big things that happen in geek culture this week, including the breaking news last night of a whole bunch of changes with James Gunn's Superman movie. And that's why he's kind of halfway joining me in the studio today. Also joining me, not in the studio, are my co-hosts, Matthew Aguilar and Janelle Wheeler. How you doing, guys? What's up, everybody? Yeah, happy to be here. Rainy day here, but happy to be chatting about geek stuff. Me too. And our fourth co-host, Mr. Connor Casey, is taking a well-deserved break and has left these shores to head over to Italy, where we imagine he is even now saying, 
hey, bonjourno, to a bunch of people <laughs> over there. So bonjourno to Connor and Arriva Durkee and have a good time over in Italy. All right, a couple program notes. We are Comic Book Nation, and as we say every week now, we are an entire nation of podcasts. We, this week alone, we have put out Anime Initiative, Breaking Down Avatar, The Last Airbender's Netflix series in full spoilers, and talking about what we need from this Naruto movie. That was a fantastic discussion. We also have Matt over on the pull list every week, pulling the biggest comics and some of the indie comics you need to know about and putting you guys on to all of that. Our quick save gaming segment is hard at work, recapping Halo Season 2 with each episode, and Matthew Aguilar is taking every cast member who has a featured spotlight and interviewing them after their big episode to give you guys a little kind of dissection after the fact. It's been wonderful. Check that out. And our regular quick save segment right now is looking at Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Matt has played the game. Our buddy Evan Valentine has played the game, and they got stuff to say about it, and they are making a sales pitch you want to hear. So those are all the things on our main Comic Book Nation feed. If you're a Marvel head, head over to the other feed and listen to Phase Zero for all the latest on what's going on with the MCU. And if you are a Pokemon fan, be sure to catch up on all the latest events in Pokemon with A Wild Pokemon Has Appeared, our Pokemon-focused Pokemon focused podcast. <laughs> Say that three times fast. All right, those are all the program notes that we need to do, so uh, let's get into it. Right off the top, we got to talk about the one, the only, the Superman. Mm. So, Janelle, are you yeah. taking us through that? Yeah, I can talk about this. I'm very excited, you know, for all the people that are still hanging out on uh, social media. We had an amazing post by the one and only James Gunn, probably like one of the very few people that I actually watch on Twitter. <laughs> um, Seriously. <laughs> I love him so much. Um, he did post a first look at the new Superman, I guess, costume even though it's just the the logo the insignia it's it's enough to get me excited his post reads overjoyed to be announcing the start of principal photography on superman today february 29th which just so happens to be coincidentally and unplanned superman's birthday it's pretty cool um and he said that he did change the name um it was supposed to be superman legacy but by the time he locked in the final draft it was clear that it was just superman and he told us that he'll see us in july 2025 um this image is really cool for people who aren't watching with us it's got some snowflakes like little pieces of snow on it so we're somewhere in the arctic it looks a little dark and distressed but not i mean i don't know we've seen some set photos too which we'll discuss a little later they're bright and poppy so um <laughs> so i am pretty i'm pretty curious about where we're going with this obviously we can't take too much from this this one little image but um i think it's enough to at least just like give us a little taste enough to really excite us how do you guys feel about it um, obviously we're not going to show, you know, what are the alleged set photos mm -hmm. of the costume because first of all, we can't verify any of this yet right. in the small time period that we had. Second of all, like you don't show that stuff anyway, because it's set photos. And if you guys want to go through the, the dark holes of Reddit and find that out, be my guest. But I will say that so far I, I am unbothered by any of this. Like, yeah. I'd feel like I'd have to be working very hard to kind of get upset about any of this. Even the costume in the set photos with which shows a very kind of 
Superman the animated series style, bright, trunks, short cape style costume. I'm not mad at that because, I mean, if we're complaining so much about the Cavill and the DCEU and the Zack Snyder of what we got, then this would be the opposite, right? Like this would be bright and shiny. Right. And I expect, I, if you guys don't remember who James Gunn is, like I expect a Superman that has kind of brightness, poppiness, uh, a little zaniness to it, and, and even gets a little funny and a little weird because that's what we love about James Gunn. That's what we loved about Guardians of the Galaxy, The Suicide Squad. None of these movies are subtle in their coloring or their mm-hmm. comic bookishness. Like, right. yeah. go, go back and watch Guardians 2 and watch like the last, you know, the third act of that film. It doesn't right. get much more bright, poppy, and comic booky than that. He and gave us Starro. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, like, <laughs> we already know, like, the boundaries of this man's imagination are so wide out, but he's good at taking, and this is where set photos, and I've grown so tired of, like, set photos and set videos, is they don't tell you anything about the filmmaker's signature style and what this all comes out as at the end. And, yeah, I would. Ex- I, I expect something that makes me feel like old Superman, like Donner Superman, Dan Jurgens Superman, Superman the animated series Superman. That that vein, we all know what that feels like, and and I hope we get to a thing of this character being like this silly throwback kind of all shucks kind of good person. Like I'm ready for that, <laughs> right? Like I'm ready shucks. to go back. Yeah, yeah. I think, I well, also, and that's, we talk about the comics all the time. I think that's what the comics have recently done so well is like give us a balance, like a modern take on that, you know, all shucksness, uh, but still make it relatable and still make it cool for the, you know, for the, for the modern age. I, I know that debate got tired of like, you know, has the world outgrown Superman? It's like, nah. <laughs> it's not that's not really the case it just needs like any character it just needs uh some you know some someone who gets it and someone who cares and for you to like take it seriously and and find what connects you to those characters i'm very excited gun has a habit of doing that with almost all of his characters um you know it's very easy to forget that the guardians were not the guardians that people now know and buy a bunch of merchandise on uh before you know, Gunn got a hold of them for the movie verse, right? They were characters that I loved and that a group of fans from the comics absolutely adored, but they weren't this like mainstream giant. And Gunn got what connected those to people, brought them to the screen. And now we have characters that, you know, you can't, everyone knows who Groot is. <laughs> like everyone yeah. knows who Groot is, but that wasn't always the case. And it's very easy to forget. Uh, that's the case. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off to know. No, you're so good. I was just commenting on, I love the video, uh, that we, we got kind of like a sneak peek of our Lois and our, our Superman for a minute. Like they just, they, the, the cast looks so good and they're not even in costume in these teaser clips that they're posting <laughs> on their little TikToks. I think they look fantastic. I am so excited about I don't know if I've been this excited about casting in a very, 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 very long time. This is probably my most excited. I just, I feel like they did such a great job casting this movie. So that alone has me fired up and ready to go. Yeah. 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 Um, it mo- more importantly, it looks like everybody's having fun. Yeah. Is, is key, right? Like 
I feel like the process, if nothing else, because I was a DCEU fan, and I can concede that if nothing else, it rarely looked like anybody in those casts were having fun during that whole process, whether it was making the movie, marketing the movie, or just dealing with what happened after the movies came out. It rarely looked like they were having fun. Um, you know, some of that has to do with just the natural order of these comic book movies and what we've kind of established bad or good with the fandoms. I mean, we got, you know, Danny, we see you out there and we see already people screaming about gun and screaming about DC flopping. And we even got commenters in here bringing that noise. <laughs> like, yeah, that didn't start here. That's been ever since, I mean, when they cast the DCEU, we still had those same people, right? Yelling about Nolan and about Snyder and why aren't we getting Nolan and all this stuff. So there's always a fair amount of that, but this cast knows that they are jumping into this. And so far it looks like they're having fun. Like that simple TikTok style kind of, you know, real style thing that Rachel Brosnahan shared with her and David Cornsweet and Nicholas Holt, just having some fun together as Superman, Lois and, and Clark, Super, uh, Superman, Clark and Lois and Lex Luthor, it it just already hints that the cast has done the kind of background work of getting to know each other, having chemistry together. And that's something that James Gunn does very well, too. For all these comments and all these things we're seeing in the comments right now and all these ways that people are trying to, like, slander the guy, like, the testament to me is that people who work with him come back to work with him again often are very loyal. He almost forms camps of actors and performers Mm -hmm. who want to work with him across you know, wide variety of gender, you know, color, everything. So it's a law, it's a wide camp. And that says something to me. That's, that's an actual testament to your, your skills as a boss and a director and, and just pulling people together. So I think that's a marked difference. And I kind of am very interested to see what kind of Superman we get out of this environment. Agreed. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Well, we did it. We did it. Everybody go home. Looks huh? like we did it. Oh, <laughs> Shania Twain up in here. Love it. Um, do you have anything else? Uh, anything else we have to say about what do you guys feel about the title change? Let's get into that a little bit because so now we're just we're going to be Superman 2025. There'll be Superman 1978 and Superman 2025. And so, uh, yeah, like like Wheezy F Baby, you're going to have the parentheses there a lot because <laughs> yeah. you're all going to get confused if you're just. Uh- it feels confident. <laughs> it feels like he is extremely confident in this project enough to go. I know there's already been a Superman. I'm gonna make. An, I'm gonna make my own. Just kind of, kind of like with the Suicide Squad stuff and all of that. Um, <clears throat> so I, I, I am biased. I really love James Gunn. I trust his instincts, um, and it just it feels like a conf- like a power move to me, which I yeah, like. I agree. I think. Uh... I think you're right you're right on that. I understand why you would want the legacy thing and I had no issue with it before. Like I was fine with the title, I got it, but at the same time it does feel like Superman just just being Superman makes a statement. You're okay with having those two movies spoken about in the same conversations because now when you mention one you got to specify. Oh, okay, which one is it? So if you're confident enough to have your movie held in that same space in conversation even uh then okay that that's i mean that for me just was like that's a a good step 
forward. You know, it doesn't affect the right. It won't affect the quality of the movie in any real way yet because we haven't seen it. But like, I I think it's a again a strong move forward. I think so far, um, amidst all of this chaos that was and the baggage that was coming over from the previous universe, um, Gun has Gun and Saffron and, and that new you know regime uh, have. I think done as much as they can to show like they have the crap together. They've organized this slate. Here's what we have coming. Here's, you know, and, and as far as casting and approach to building a universe out in Superman, I, I they've done all the things that I feel like, okay, you, you've done everything you can from a, without us seeing the movie to establishing a foundation that we can like, somewhat be confident in moving forward. And that's incredibly important because, you know, this thing cannot be on shaky legs. It has to, <laughs> it has to work. It has to, it has to be solid. So I think this is, again, another decision that is a, a small thing, but is also, you know, and it will be hopefully an important thing in the grand scheme of it all. All right. Well, that's it. Go on comicbook.com backslash DC and check out, all of our coverage of the new Superman title reveal, the kind of costume tease, and our kind of our crack team's insights into where Gunn is drawing inspiration from, what this could mean for the movie. We have a lot of great speculative pieces for you guys to check out as well on comicbook.com. Moving right along to our other big topic this week, Dune. I'm going to be yelling a lot of titles this week. Dune is the first one. So... Dune Part 2 is out. It's now in theaters. Uh, we here at comicbook.com reviewed it. None of us at Comic Book Nation, but comicbook.com's Patrick Cavanaugh reviewed Dune Part 2, and he gave it a 4 out of 5. I think I would go about around the same, if not slightly higher. I think I would go about 4.5 mm. out of 5 for Dune 2. I wow. think that... You know, we joke and we've made this whole joke in the last year because of Scorsese and the Marvel stuff. But we're like, you know, we're always dropping memes about what is or is not cinema, quote unquote. Well, Dune 2 is cinema. OK, uh, <laughs> it is very much cinema. It is very much what you go to the movies to see. I, I can't recommend enough to go and check this out on a big IMAX screen. And just. Everything that happened in the first film and all the drawbacks are not at all drawbacks in this film. The world, what's happening, the kind of political, social, whole overview of it all is a lot more pronounced in this one and kind of really, really brings you into this world a lot more. You get it's a lot easier to identify with like characters like Zendaya's character, the Fremen as a whole, and that whole kind of, you know, familiar dances with Wolf story. But again, remember, this was all from Dune, the book, which was written, you know, long before we all jumped into a lot of these movies. The scope of the direction and and just like the visuals alone. I, I mean, I can already tell you Dune racked up the first one so many kind of awards from you know from its visual and technical standpoints and i think this one is gonna if that one got oscars this one definitely deserves to be in consideration for those same awards because yeah just the level of visual complexity and, and just making this world feel real without ever tripping you up 
in pulling you out of it. it it's pretty amazing stuff. And I, I can't just, I'm trying to find this email, like this message from this dedicated fan who keeps trying to get me to pronounce Denny's name correctly. And I keep just messing it up. And of course, the one time I need to find this message, I don't have it because that's life these days. But I'm just going to say Denny, Denny V. And then I can't be crucified because I didn't mess anything up too bad. But this is, you know, if you've been looking at Denny as like one of those people, and I think we were talking about having a future debate on a slow week about Denny movies versus Nolan movies and and stacking all of them up and seeing like which director really has it. This is kind of the pinnacle of, of where Denny's been headed from. You know, ever, ever since we just started doing Arrival and then what Blade Runner and all of that, like this is the pinnacle of what this man has been trying to create it. Robert, Rob, there you are, Rob, in the comments. He's here like a hero. Oh, (laughs) there we go. French Canada, shout out to all our French Canadian fans for holding me down in the chat. This is why I love the live show because our, our like our fans are really here for us, man. So Denis Villeneuve, Villeneuve, Denis Villeneuve has really hit the pinnacle stride of where he's going as a director. The cast in this is fantastic. Even the, the people you didn't think got to do enough in the first one. Zendaya, Harvey R. Bardem, Rebecca Ferguson are all standout characters in this one. Uh, Austin Butler, who comes in and, you know, just getting more from Stellan Skarsgård. And even and if you didn't think Timothee Chalamet is a star, like this kid's a star. And this movie is going to prove that he can carry a movie, be a star and, and very much is that next Tom Cruise in the sense of like all around guy who can really pack people into a theater and and classic movie star vibe. So I'm not going to get too crazy deep into this. Uh, I can't wait to one day just sit down and watch Dune part one and part two as a long, just epic, because I think it does pay off so much of what the first film had to invest time setting up and just getting you familiar with this world technology and all the weird parts of it, like the Ben Jesuit, the voice, all that stuff, the visions, the names of, you know, who Paul Atreides may or may not end up being. I think when you watch it as a complete story, it's actually a really tight, tight story. And it is really well done. And I can't even just, I I could go on forever. Just the scenes when so many things are just soundstage and feel so empty, putting these actors in the desert and then layering on complex visual effects on this. There are sequences of desert battles like that are just insane in this. And like I said, IMAX, just go IMAX. I don't get paid by IMAX. I don't get a time <laughs> for saying it. I'm just telling you, if you're like a cinephile, like this is what you go to. It's that, it's that Nicole Kidman thing. You're going to be transported. Heartbreak is going to feel good in this. You know, our heroes are larger than life because they're on IMAX screens. It's It's worth it. So cinema is back, baby. This is our kind of our first Oppenheimer experience of the year. This is the one that's worth your money. So go check out Dune Part 2. And uh, Dune Part 1 is surging on Netflix again. So uh, check that out if as well and, and get into this. Also, I will say, and I said this in my tweet, this movie has that touch. If you're thinking like the first one was so dry, 
or boring and you're like, ah, oh, I've heard so many people like, I fell asleep a million times. Yeah, I know, phone black kids. I what? know it's hard to stare at things that are too quiet. I get it. But <laughs> why do they sound like Cartman? <laughs> because that's how everybody sounds to me these days, Matt. Everybody holding a phone in their voice and trying to count stuff sounds like that. Respect me. my authority. Yeah, yeah respect my space. I mean my phone. You know, like, yeah. Anyway, we're getting off track here. Let's get back on track. So we're talking about... <laughs> and this one will keep your attention, okay? This is not going to be hard for you to pay attention to. Um, there's a lovely bit of that David Lynch weirdness to this movie. Uh, it's not a spoiler to say, if you don't know the story of Dune, they told you in the first film that Rebecca Ferguson's character is pregnant. Well, that baby knows everything that's going on and is a major character in this movie inside the stomach. So there you go. And so if you thought Venom is great because Tom Hardy is talking to himself, um, just go see Rebecca Ferguson carry a whole movie talking to her belly. It's amazing. So, yeah, there's this weirdness to it that is a lot better and some humor and comedy in this one that you didn't get in the first film. The Fremen are great characters, and this version of them, are, they're really entertaining. So Dune 2, go see it. Go see IMAX. Report back. I'm going back to see it again with wow. my family. Oh, yeah. No, I got to cool. see this one. Because yeah, uh, yeah, sandworms. It's all it's all dope. So it's Dune time, baby. We eating good. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we didn't just, and then somebody tweeted me today, we're not just eating on this front, are we? This week has been rich. We got Dune Part 2 for mm -hmm. Movie Head. And if you're at home just trying to cop some TV time, you're eating on TV too. Guys, let's all link back up like uh, like like Voltron here. Shout out to Brywood in the comics. Uh, <laughs> love our regular commenters. Brywood is, uh, is an awesome longtime commenter as well. As well as All in the Game over on YouTube. Uh, shout out to All in the Game. And uh, I was talking about All in the Game. I was saying that, um, yeah, the twi the comments from Facebook were getting a little crazy during the James Gunn thing. But Facebook's always, you know, it's always a savage. It's, always, uh, it's the wild, wild west. Also, shout out to Addy. Thank you for complimenting my Cartman. I appreciate it. 
All right, guys. So I'm curious to hear you two talk for a bit because, I mean, I got stories about, F, I mean, about Shogun. Uh, it, it's not a secret. I've tweeted this out that Shogun, when I found that book, it, it was one that was in our house for a long time, but you like discover old books your parents or your older oh. siblings might have had. And I read that book and that book owned me before Game of Thrones ever, you know, snatched my life away from me for a couple of years. <laughs> Shogun was a book. I think I was like in college and in between, you know, years of college in the summer. In that summer, like uh, I didn't go outside. I was mostly reading. If if I went outside, it was to find a tree and read Shogun. You know, <laughs> this book is it, it's been a great since 1975 with good reason. It became a great kind of 70s, early 80s TV miniseries that a lot of people loved. So, you know, there was a lot of stakes bringing it to a modern TV audience. But I'm going to save my thoughts till the end. I'm so curious to hear you guys, who I assume you both weren't familiar with, like, the novel or anything before this. because I, I didn't know, know there was a book. Same. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> so, Shogun the Book, little history. Shogun the Book was written by James Clavel, who spent three years of his life researching real history. So, a lot of this is a fictionalized version of actual history that oh, wow. actually took place in feudal Japan. And I'm not going to tell you where that history ends because I feel like that's too many spoilers, but it, it is based on actual history and actual people that that existed. So, oh, yeah, okay. it is a famous novel and it's a really good novel. But Janelle, um, you want to jump in first? Sure. Uh, so I got through the I, I watched the first episode. Um Guys, it's race weekend and F1 too. So I've been really focused on that as well. Uh, it's the first first week back in F1. So very exciting stuff. They also dropped Drive to Survive. So it's been it's been a little bit crazy for me this week. And Love is Blind dropped another, you know, couple of episodes. So if you guys ever want to talk about any of that stuff, tweet me or X me or whatever it's called. Um, but yeah, Shogun, I watched the first episode. And I had to end, <laughs> I had to like pause it right before we started the show. And it has been driving me absolutely bananas like that I didn't finish this first episode because I was so in it, like in it. Like, and so I am, um, I am so pleasantly surprised. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. When Kofi suggested it, I was thinking maybe is this an anime? Like, did they do like a live action version of another anime series or something because I know Kofi loves his anime. And um, I will warn anyone who hasn't watched it, there is a lot of translation things. You need to actually like read the captions. Um, but I love that. I think that's so authentic and it's spectacular. And you get that there is this juxtaposition between an English speaking character and Japanese speaking characters. Um, and I love that because it gives, it just feels like very authentic. Um, the violence is there. The cruelty is there. The drama is there. Um, it's it, yeah. I mean, the costuming's spectacular. The acting is out of this world. Um, special effects. Like I, I, it seems like it's a lot of, um, like actual real life effects. Like they're showing diseased teeth and like, it's yeah, gross. Like there's really <laughs> gross stuff. And I just, I have such a respect and love for that coming from like, you know, I feel like when you grow up watching films from like the eighties and the nineties where they didn't use like any digital stuff, whenever they're using, you know, like, real life special effects. Like it's just, uh, it gets, it, I don't know, it just gets me really excited. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, 
I don't know where the story's going, but I am incredibly intrigued and uh, I can't wait to watch the next episode. I love that this one is releasing in um, like episodic. It's not all just a binge show. And I just, I've, I've really been loving that lately. Shout outs to any show that is actually releasing by episodes because I like to go over each episode weekly. Like I love getting on the podcast and talking to you guys about each episode. I love I love that. I don't, I'm kind of over binge watching shows, honestly. I'm, it's like 2020 has come and gone. I'm over it. Like, I don't want to live that life anymore. I'm not locked in my house. Like, <laughs> give it to me weekly. <laughs> so that's my take on it. I'm loving it so far. Oh, uh, I love binge. Dang it. <laughs> I want them all. I want them all. I want, I want me to choose when I watch the episodes. I want the choice in my hands. The power is mine. That's what I, I that's what I really, I really want shows. control. Like, I really want I know control. you under, I know you understand because you watch bad reality TV too. Like between the bachelor and then like love is blind and then sports, like all of my teams are playing right now. And then all these fantasy, fantasy shows, like it's just too much. I can't binge an entire Binging Avatar screwed me up. I'm just gonna say right now because it 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 dulled it for me. So I think I'm done binging. Ah, uh, ah, uh, crushes me. Well, I'm glad we got at least more than one here. What are we doing? Like, I'm, I'm glad we we got into a discussion. We got into a side rip because that is what we do. <laughs> That's what we do. I swear uh, to God, we touched on Shogun. Something I was going to talk about being like one of the best TV shows. Oh, of the year. whatever. You cooked on Dune for like 20 minutes. <laughs> Come on, Not seriously. <laughs> Just like so many other trash shows just came out of there. Like, right. I, oh my God, Bachelor is not a trash show. How Thank dare you? you. Listen, I'm going to jump in. I, was, I wasn't even done, but go ahead. That's fine. Yeah, go <laughs> ahead and say what you're saying. The audience of, of TV. See, like we're, we're arguing about shows that are. This show, I mean, I, I'm going to let Matt cook. All I'm going to say is this no, show is quickly making me realize. <laughs> like we've been surviving in the bottom of a ship, like as vampires sucking <laughs> rats. And this is like the first real wow. human blood flow that we can feast on in a while. Like, where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are you eating rats for, dude? There's been plenty of good stuff out there. But listen, oh, yeah, this show, I mean, is, is like, I, I think it's kind of hard to lock in in the first episode because it's literally just like, stage setting of where the characters are kind of circling each other and you don't really even get to the central view of who the character the central characters are until literally the last second of the first episode which will be interesting to for you when you get there but by the they released two episodes this week and they did so with very smart purpose because by the time you get to the end of episode two you're like, oh, you know, they've basically laid out an entire plot line, like the entire worldly stakes of what's happening here. Why this, you know, English white man landing on Japan is so pivotal and important and who he becomes in this whole Game of Thrones style political maneuvering. Uh, by the end of episode two, you are locked in to all of this. Matt, did you see both or did you see one? I saw both. Okay. Am I, am I wrong there? Do you, I mean, you're doing Halo. No, no, I think, I think you, I thought it was a very smart decision to do both because I was sucked in, but I wasn't hooked until two. 
I, I was intrigued. I was like, oh, like uh, the production values are incredible. Uh, you know, I the violence and the and some of the brutal scenes there kind of keep you invested on that front. And I and I was intrigued by everything else, but all of that really didn't coalesce until two. So I'm I'm glad they did both because if they had just done one, I don't know if I would have been as like ready to see three and four. You know what I mean? Uh, two really kind of solidified that. I think it was very smart of them to do back to back. So um, I agree with you there. Yeah. Um, somebody asked in the comments, is, is, is the white guy Tom Cruise? No, <laughs> this is very much not a white savior story. It, it is, like I said, it is based on real history and it is based about, you know, how Japan was eventually discovered by the rest of the Western world and what that process was because it's an island nation on the other side of the world. They were their own world for a long time. So when this guy lands, as you see in the first thing, Blackthorn, like, yeah, no, he's not a white savior. He is literally, I mean, there's one scene where they, where one of the leading lords makes him get down on his knees and repeat in Japanese. He doesn't understand that. Like, I'm a dog. Like, that's who I am. I'm a dog. And he's just trying to stay alive because in feudal Japan, like, yeah, you, first of all, you have to know if you're not, if you're not into history, like feudal Japan, like, yeah. Life was not the same. You know, it it could be taken very quickly. You insulted somebody, you did something. It wasn't just you, like you and your entire family line would have to be, you know, killed yeah. or commit suicide, like for honor and ritual. So like, it's a very different society. And I think that's what the show is doing very well. Um, it, they offer an English dub. I wrote a thing. It's one of our most popular articles on comic book this week. Shogun offers you an English dub for all of you who want to watch it that way if you're not into watching the Japanese language and subtitles because they did go for the authenticity of what it was like when this English, or he didn't speak English, it's Portuguese, but they just translate the Portuguese. They they represent it as English. But, you know, and the language barriers are a huge part of this book because of the political maneuvering has to do with interpreters, what's being said, what's being conveyed, what the person listening actually understands versus the agendas of what's being said is a huge part of the book. So they're doing all that very, very well and kind of taking the time to really, by the end of episode two, letting you know who the principal characters are and their complicated nature. Nobody is a good guy. Nobody is an evil person. Everybody has their own agendas, their own goals, and their own scars that we're kind of slowly learning about. Everybody's done some ish to get to where they are, and we're kind of learning about that as as things are going on and there's also interesting religious division and stuff like that in the history of like protestants versus catholics and all that stuff by country it's it's all history drama and everything we love about game of thrones in a tv show like that set in feudal japan so if you're a fan of like samurai or anime or or that whole eastern vibe like yeah the production values on this are second to none um so far, I'm going to go out and say I think it's the best TV show of the year so far, and I think it could be in the running for being the best TV show of the year already. I feel that way. Like, I don't even want to be here doing this right now. I just want to be, like, in a dark room watching more Shogun. Like, <laughs> and I love, love, love that this is a book with a beginning, middle, and end, character arcs, all of that. We're not getting to Game of Thrones season eight or, like, on this. Like, it's a limited series a complete story 
And therefore, I, I believe in it so much more that it'll just be good from beginning to end. And when it's done, it'll be a piece of content that we can point to and be like, that is dope. And in a year that we're getting this and Blue-Eyed Samurai on the animated front, and both of them are this dope, man, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled. Like, I'm, I'm kind of really happy right now. But um, check out FX's Shogun. You can check it out on Hulu. The first two episodes are streaming in Japanese language and with subtitles and English dub right now. Uh, and I'm going to be honest, if you're not going to see Dune 2 this weekend, I don't think there's a better thing to do with your content this weekend. So I would I would definitely put it to the top of your list because we will be checking back in regularly for it. All right, let's take a pair break, pay some bills. And when we come back, we still got plenty to talk about. We got to talk about another movie that's out that you guys can check out this week. We got to catch up with uh, Halo. We and Matt, Matt always has Matt's agenda and he's got a thick one today. So come back for all of that. <laughs> Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. If you missed our first half, Janelle took us back through what's been going on with the James Gunn's new Superman movie. I told you a little bit about Dune 2 and then continued raving about Shogun, which I think we all were at the very least kind of thumbs upping and said, like, yeah, worth a watch. So, Let's keep on moving and talk about a new movie. If you can't, or no, wait, Connor's not here. So uh, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to take this one? You yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that assigned to Connor before I realized he was in Italy. Uh, so um, <laughs> yeah, so this um, we have been looking to get a revival slash reboot slash uh, just completely different version of The Crow for quite Sometime. Uh this there have been many interpretations. I think once wasn't Momoa attached to the crow? Um at, yeah. at one point. Okay. Like this so thing has gone through so many like uh, transformations. Yeah, it's it's been, been nuts. Yeah. I've been doing it since for like nearly the entirety of the, my 16-year career in this industry. I've been talking about <laughs> crow ruby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like before. Uh, it's so the latest is actually looks like it's becoming a reality. Bill Skarsgård is in the role, and they finally revealed the first look uh, on social media uh, at this interpretation, which you know takes um, inspiration from the comics that the original film took from, but it also does its own thing, and then bases. There's you know the director and some of the team have come out and kind of given a little more detail as to like what it's inspired by. So it is going slightly different way. Uh, I think it's safe to say that this got people talking for a number of reasons. One of them uh, was the uh, tattoos and the placement of, ta of tattoos. I feel like I saw that everywhere on social media for a while. So, I mean, if it did its job, it got people talking. Um, is I am one person who doesn't have like the uh, attachment to the uh, original crow and the like the kind of general ip that others do i know it's kind of a beloved thing but i don't i've never had that attachment so i've always kind of just been watching with a uh, curiosity um as to seeing this come through and if it can relate to a modern audience like it did uh back then uh it is very much like a a movie of its time, I feel in some respects, but you know, everything can be, I feel like there's not really something that can't be revived for a new audience. It just really is about finding that right mix and not everything's going to work. 
Um, mm-hmm. I feel like we've seen too many times now where the unfilmable or the untranslatable, you just talked about Dune. I don't know that, that for years people were talking about that that can never be realized on film. And look what we have. Uh, people said that about Lord of the Rings. People said that about so many things. And over time, we've had them all and they've been pretty good. So I don't really buy that anymore, but I do buy that. I don't know if this particular interpretation will work. Uh does anyone here have any thoughts on like this particular design, but also just the crow as an IP at this point? Um, nobody like everybody kind of the crow is one of those things where it it it's so weird because like it became this cult icon, but when you start to peel back like where that iconography came from and why people loved it so much, you never get to anything solid. Like the comic series was weird and kind of indie and kind of out there people didn't really know read it or follow it it wasn't hugely popular it was in like with older gen x kids the goth era people and that's really what the crow is it's it's just a goth icon of gen x kids and janelle were you saying Millennial here was obsessed with the crow. Yeah, oh, there it is. See, you never know when you're gonna grade. find it. <laughs> I was in fourth grade when it released. Yeah, but we I were like, snuck yeah, but we, yeah, but in. we call ourselves millennials, but we still we still had that Gen X taste in our mouths. We're still yeah. of that age that we were like, Well, I shouldn't have been watching it <laughs> like at my young age. Yeah. Like, let's just be real. <laughs> This is like the yeah. first violent thing I ever watched in my life. And I was addicted and I was obsessed with this guy. Like, I was like, oh my God, he's so hot. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, I was 13. So like, I was really at the cusp where I was like, yeah, this yeah. is it. Yeah, I actually it. discovered it later on. Obviously, I didn't watch it when I was in oh, fourth no, me, I was in the theaters. I was screaming, fire it up, fire it up, fire it up. And I still scream that with my friends because I yeah. have friends. <laughs> yeah this this and yeah it became as rob is pointing out uh on on facebook it was tragically like so many other things the death of brandon lee right Mm -hmm. that film from being just a weird kind of comic book cult film into being this you know eulogy to this actor who was just getting started and so it was this weird combination of things because people didn't really like love brandon lee like that until he died they didn't love the crow like that until he died. And the movie itself by Alex Proyas, who later did, you know, he did Dark City, another cult hit, iRobot, but like knowing and gods of Egypt, you know what I mean? Like, so this wasn't like a stunning directorial, directorial achievement. If you watch the crow now, it's very much a 90s movie. It's mm-hmm. very much the spastic cuts, you know, everything. It's very much a 90s movie. So I've always been weirded out by this IP and like the fascination with it. But just to go back to what Matt said at the start, like, let's just do a little history lesson. And I said, I feel like I've been doing this since the 16 years I've been in this career. Well, that's accurate. Uh, This reboot entered development in December of 2008. That's when I was just cooking over at Screen Rant, like six months into cooking over at Screen Rant, when this was one of the first big articles we were we were following. I remember this. Okay. Stephen Norrington, the guy who did Blade, said he was going to do it. And over the course of from 2008 to now, it's been Juan Carlos Fresenado, the Brazilian director who's done a bunch of stuff, F. Javier Gutierrez, Corin Hardy, and the actors who have been up to play Eric Draven have included Brandon, Bradley Cooper, Luke Evans, which I remembered that era. 
that seemed like it was almost going to happen. Jack Houston and Jason Momoa. <laughs> not all, we're all not just attached, but we're formally cast to play Eric Draven at different points. None of those films got off. The Crow is very much a story that is just tied to a place in a time. And unless you're trying to recapture 90s goth, then it looks like what they're doing is what today's weird alternative scary person would look like, right? And yeah, that's nipple tattoos, guys. We didn't make this world, Gen I Z. I have qualms. And it's I, just I want to hear the, the qualms. Love. I want to hear the qualms. I, I need long hair. Like, we need long hair. I, I need that. That's my only thing. Like, I need wet, long, like, weird hair. You need and Roman Reigns hair. Yeah, we need, <laughs> we need the original. We need the original long hair, and and honestly, like in the fan like art that people made, um, they did always draw him with like long hair, and he looked great. So I I do I don't like this weird like bowl cut thing that is going on. Yeah, but today it would be like a '70s mullet and and a mountain man beard, and I'm just glad well, that's they didn't just Nashville, him. dude. That's just Nashville. <laughs> You, like guys how like if you look at like teens these days they all have like the little freaking bieber hair again it's like it's so weird i love this conversation so much and that, um I mean, that's like it looks like he's going for so yeah i mean this is gen z's freaky crow man that's you true off, that's gen true z. you know what's um you know what's funny and we'll talk about it later actually because it ties like into something we're talking about later own time but, but like the i think the one of the biggest uh, endearing uh, parts of like kind of the crow legacy is in wrestling because sting was, mm. was always was clearly influenced by the crow when he made that um, huge turn, the bat, the trench coat, the, the face paint, the long hair. Cool. And that has become iconic. I mean, that's, that's an iconic, like everybody knows who sting is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if you just look at him, you go, Oh, that's the crow. Like, you know what that is. And they've been tied so closely and, you know, we'll get to that. Cause he's, you know, retiring. Uh, this will be his final match here this coming weekend. But like, mm -hmm. that's, it's insane that like one of the most endearing or enduring parts of that legacy is in wrestling is like something completely unrelated to, you know, the movies and stuff. Um, it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting. I did not think this would generate this discussion and has been delightful. So there we go. Also, man. the body is all day today, man. Yes. We're all over the place. See what happens when Connor's gone. Like <laughs> oh, other people talk. I'm sorry. Was that me? How <laughs> 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 oh, was that me? Oh, wow. that me? <laughs> hey, wow. Oh, you guys are feeling. Don't let me talk too much because like, I'm just checking him out. Like just shut me up. I was giving you he crap, looks Connor. great. I, I just, <laughs> I don't know. Something about my dark, twisted soul as a kid. Brandon Lee and the Crow was like my biggest crush. And now I'm like, oh, no. I mean, that was like an entire generation. Again. Entire yeah. generation of girls who made questionable guy decisions because of that movie. <laughs> yes. There's not a man who made questionable guy decisions because of that movie. Like, yes. if, if a lot of us made questionable wardrobe and makeup decisions. <laughs> yes. Movie. Um, so, Yeah. You're trying to store all your photos of your black nails from 1995, <laughs> 1999 and all that. Like, yeah, we know where they are. All right. So it's going to be interesting to see. But Bill Skarsgård, I mean, we don't talk about him. I mean, he's good. I mean, this man has been Pennywise the Clown, even in Barbarian. He's good. Kind of keeping you guessing about whether this guy's crazy or not is what his signature is. And I feel like that's the part of the crow you got to 
remember, Eric Draven's pretty brutal. He brutally murders the people that, you know, wronged him. So. Oh, no, guys, I just found more images. And yeah, no, he's like not even gothic. He has a mullet. It's a freaking mullet. What did I tell you? It's what a mullet. I no. No, that's no. natural. No, that's natural. Nah, oh, bro. God. 70s mullet, handlebar mustaches, and they think this is all cool. And, and he's like, wearing like a bright blue jacket guy. with like, he looks yeah. like Pete Davidson. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Hey man. Literally. No. What That's are we who doing? Been the crow. Okay, now we're gonna Steve have David. some issues. No, great tweeting on Twitter right after this. Like, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> hey man. I mean, to be fair, Janelle, you're in you're in good company. Like, honestly, I don't think <laughs> anybody's like been overwhelmingly happy with this. So. I want gothic, not whatever they, rapper post Malone. I don't emos <laughs> post Malone wow he looks like posty back in the day back, back when posty was not doing country music oh, oh man posty out here catching strays this is nuts i love posty but so like so much shade i don't need this. posty as the crow so obviously the crow is a hot button ip you said it was irrelevant i did not expect this at all since 2000 since 19 something and we didn't get any of these because everybody was like ooh, yeah i'm stepping back from this but hey these the crow were like hey we want all the smoke and now they are going to get it go on comicbook.com movies and leave your thoughts we're going to move yes. on out of this dangerous terrain and go somewhere a little bit safer. Hey, you guys. Halo Season 2. It's been pretty awesome. Uh, I've been loving it. Yeah, and uh, if I'm looking at the site right now, like reactions to people coming into the recaps, watching our videos and stuff, fans are enjoying it. So, I mean, I thought me and Matt... Do a whole breakdown, full spoilers breakdown of Halo Season 2, Episode 5. And we get to uh, speak with the actress who plays Riz. And yeah, man, I, I got to say, again, I'm just going to reiterate what we said in condensed form. This was the most balanced episode of the show. It's the one that really made me think, okay, Halo's all grown up. Like, they can do drama. They can do action. They can do, you know, character development, sadness, fear, all of these things we got packed into one episode. And it felt like everybody mattered. Every one of the storylines mattered and were connected to each other. And it even foreshadows some big things. And we got a name drop of the Arbiter. So we can put that all to bed. And people are kind of freaking out about this. But uh, I'm digging it. Uh, Janelle, what about you? Because we haven't gotten to hear uh, your, your great opinion about Halo and whether you're still kind of hanging with oh, this. Oh, gosh. Absolutely on board. Um, I don't think this episode was as, you know, crazy action packed as the previous one, but I don't need that. I'm really just loving the flow of what they're doing with the show in general. Um, I, I kind of said like, I, I love seeing weapon reveals like the needler, the sword, and I love seeing them pick those items up and use them. The grenades, the stun grenades, like all those things that really like bring me back to the game that all makes me very excited. But then they also have the storyline that I am truly so invested in at this point. Um, and <laughs> I don't even remember season one, truly. Like, I, I feel like this is standalone at this point for me. Um, and I just, I'm so curious as to what's going to happen with Cortana. And, um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of like sub stories going on. Like you have the mom and dad trying to find their kid. 
you have, I, I guess this new, ma- is she the new master chief coming out? Like sh- commanding forces. Like we just have a lot of different things happening and that's so okay because I'm following it all, which is great. Luckily, I'm not too confused. Oh, and then the super white-haired blonde girl, she's twisted as heck, but I'm so interested in what what her mission is. Like, is she actually feeling guilt, remorse? Is she kind of identifying with humans? I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I'm on the edge of my seat every episode trying to figure out where we're going, and that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, here, here. I, I mean, you can hear, uh, you know, me uh talk about the show uh in the spoiler thing so i won't regurgitate my my gushing (laughs) what i will say is that uh i have okay so i'm feeling spicy today i have seen some truly just stupid takes online about the show (laughs) like i i've read some headlines and i go god like i i mean if i look i understand that there are certain things and and elements uh, to the property uh, in its name that are like, oh, when are we going to get to that? When are we going to get to that? And I understand it to a degree. But if I if it pops up on screen and I don't care about anything else other than, oh, it showed up, then you have a bad MCU show. Because that is what the MCU started becoming was a bunch of just references and cameos to things that I don't care about. So if you're going to do that, I would, I would, part of me wants just to happen so that shuts like that whole thing of dialogue up because I'm tired of hearing it. But like, I want to care. I want to care about the people. And this show has made me care about the people. So when that does show up, when we do get there, I will care. To me, that is more important than just putting something out and getting to something and then not having everything else built around it so that it actually pays off. To me, that's more important. So I've seen some some headlines, I've seen some things, and I just think those are just missing the forest for the trees. And it's just so short-sighted. But anyway, that's me. I'm a little, I'm a little spicy today. Just like a black lemon. (laughs) Couldn't even hold it. (laughs) I get tired of that mess, man. Shout out to to a fan and awesome comic creator, Robert Garcia in the comments. Um, Yeah. No, I mean, people and people are, I mean, not to use Gen Z terms, but people are kind of capping here. Like Halo became more than just the game combat evolved. And what you guys are really doing is exposing yourselves as never really understanding the games just as much as everybody else and showing us how weak the kind of lore of the games is by the time we were we've moved from these console games and stuff halo had spread out its story i mean halo reach was a major story about the battle of reach it's a prequel so we had all the the universe had spread before and after the covenant human war and like it, it just did it was a whole series and a whole lore so this TV show somehow being beholden to just starting where the first game starts is ridiculous. They're dealing with material that got developed long after that first game. And it's just shooting blow up ring, kill covenant, kill flood whole mechanic came out like having to do these recaps and explain this show to people like in written form. You have to read a lot of those Halo week like wikis and you got to know your forerunners from your precursors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Half of you don't even know what I just said, but you played those games so many times. But this show is allowed to take a deeper dip into that pool of lore and the whole thing. 
It doesn't have to just follow one game, two game, three game. So yeah, we are in a prequel phase. We've been for season one and season two. We're not to the events of Halo Combat Evolved, the first game yet. We've been going through events leading up to that that were either just told to us in those long, boring exposition scenes of characters you don't remember from the games, because there are quite a few of those when you look in the wikis. You're like, oh yeah, we did stop. But I used that to pee when I was playing, like, you know. And we're getting more of that fit in, you know, streamlined, retrofitted to fit the show, adding some things. So we're we're getting to this. And if you're, like Matt said, if you just wanted it to be start show, we are on Halo Ring, like none of that would have made sense to anybody. And there's really no hook beyond just, I have to do my mission for Master Hook, for Master Chief to care in the games about where he is. Like what the Halo Ring is to him is nothing. It's just a place that is a threat and you have to stop threat with bullets. And so yeah, I like that this show and some of the conversations I like that we're getting to like between John and Halsey saying like, why was I chosen? And him there being something special or significant about why he's going to be the guy who needs to go to Halo Ring and deal with all this beyond just I have super armor is much better as a show concept. It makes me more interested in Halo as a franchise. I just told you three things about I could tell you different classes of Covenant and what the elites race are. These are things I never would have even right. taken up a single brain cell of space to do before. So I have in my Amazon search history, Halo, Master Chief Helmets. (laughs) I already started looking. There will probably by season three, because I got to pick the right one. But like, (laughs) I will have one. It will be somewhere in this background will be a Halo helmet. That is is a credit to the show. And I played so many of the games (laughs) and never bought one. I just it it. It makes a difference. Anyway, sorry. They mean to derail. Oh, you're right. You're right. It's, uh, it's good. All right. Um, well, that's our talk. We went a little harder. We are feeling, oof, everybody here. Leap Day, <laughs> Leap Day has affected everybody. We are out here feeling spicy. An entire also, show. So I want chicken now. Thanks for the comments. So yeah, an entire show of helmets is Matt's end goal for this. Um, we can skip the next thing. We don't have to get too deep in it because uh, I'm still watching it. But Code 8 Part 2 is now out on Netflix. Uh, we we got to talk with Robbie Amell when that came out. I forget if we talked with Stephen Amell. I don't think so. I think it was Robbie Amell we talked to. But when Code 8 came out, we were all, that was when we were in the dark times of non-content during the pandemic. And this was a breakout. And we were all kind of thrilled by like the, you know, first the Amell for Robbie and Cousin Stephen, like them crowdfunding this, you know, making this entire IP themselves with a few others and and getting it off the ground uh, and making a solid first film, you know, they've gotten a bit more to work with. And I still love this world. And I love that they don't go too crazy with it. Like, it's not like, it's not like, what was that? Oh, push that Chris Evans movie, like where it was just like, okay, superpowered people in real world, but then it gets so over the top crazy so fast. I like the world they've built here where it explains why superpowers aren't out of control who's controlling it, like how it comes up a new and a whole new underworld. It, it's, it's pretty entertaining and, and I'm liking part two so far. Yeah, no, I, I haven't finished it either, but I enjoyed it a lot. I will say that was one of my favorite interviews we did. Cause me and Kofi did that together, I believe. And we were talking to Robbie and he was like the nicest person, especially when I started the interview muted asking questions because I was trying to inhale my breakfast 
And I had it like over here to the side off camera. So I didn't want like the mic to pick up me eating eggs. And then he's like <laughs> listening very intently to like me say nothing because I'm muted. And then I explained this to him and made him laugh. So that was one of my favorite. Robbie. <laughs> I will always associate that interview with the show, <laughs> with this movie. <laughs> oh, no, he's great. He's so great. I got to interview him during COVID for upload for comment oh, yes. at home. And he's just so <laughs> lovely. Also a big fan of F1. Um, and yeah, it, it, this I watched the whole thing, by the way. Oh, I loved nice. it. We sat down and made a big night of it, date night, and watched this. And um, I, my husband did not watch the first one, but he followed this one perfectly. It was fine. Um, the I will say that like I feel like the end definitely is quite rewarding. I don't know if they could do something from here. I guess they could, but it, if it is the last of the code eight, like I feel like they wrapped it up pretty well. Um, and their villain, this guy who's the villain, he is, he, it is unexpected. It's really, really good. Like I it had a couple twists that really got me. And, um, obviously like, I think they're hitting a lot of like political things and I really, I think that's really great. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, very, very good. I, I, yeah, I enjoyed it so far. And I also, as to mention what Janelle said, I didn't get a chance to go back and watch the first one. Um, and I actually picked up pretty pretty easily. I was pick, I was right back mm -hmm. into it. So I, a credit to them for, for yeah. doing that because it's been so much time between them. No, but I remembered it. I was like, oh, yeah, no, I remembered the world and just like how what like all the rules and all that. And uh, yeah, both are back in the top 10 of Netflix right now. So you can go check out both Code 8s if you're looking for a double feature that's not Dune Part 1 and Dune Part 2. All right, Matt, take us out. It's your agenda time, buddy. Time for you Whoa. to cook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's... And get into it. Um, so uh, I was going to have a uh, shout out to, to Connor. We were going to talk some uh, AEW. So we will. I will I will plug, do my, do my best and try to live up to his uh, legacy that he's inspired for AEW, because I know it is uh, partial to his heart. But uh, we were going to start in the world of gaming, uh, because there were some unfortunate things um, in the in the world. I mean, this is the last two years have been very rough uh, for the industry as far as uh, on the development side, on the kind of just employee of a in the world of games. Uh, and there were two more significant layoffs, uh, both from uh, one from EA and one from Sony. And they uh, those layoffs you know, affected a lot of people, our thoughts to, to everyone uh, who is kind of trying to bounce back from that. It's been an, a very rough uh, two years, but it also affected uh, games as well that were in development uh, and two that were, you know, very, I can say very much anticipated. Uh, you know, one uh, was the Star Wars Mandalorian game uh, that Respawn uh, was working on. Uh, and that one, obviously anything related to the Mandalorian uh, is going to be anticipated uh, especially with that studio behind it, uh, that is reportedly, obviously, neither company has come out and confirmed this, but these are reportedly not happening anymore. Uh, and the one on the Sony side was the Twisted Metal, uh, the new Twisted Metal game, uh, which, you know, seems like, uh, you know, we do have Twisted Metal Season 2 coming, and that the first season did, you know, did well. So it is unfortunate because people kind of thought, oh, well, a new game would be, this would be a perfect time to, to launch that. Uh, that is not happening right now. 
Um, so, you know, and obviously the Mandalorian uh, has been hugely busy on the Star Wars side because, you know, that thing's getting a movie now and all this other stuff. So it's two very hot franchises uh, that will not have games uh, with you know them. That, so that uh, is interesting. You know that Simpsons gif when Grandpa Simpson comes into like the bordello and Bart <laughs> working the door and he immediately hits <laughs> a circle? Yeah, that's how I feel with the Mando game. Like, like oh, we'll get a Mando game up. It's over. <laughs> so true. That's that's so true. It's just uh, you know, it's it's a bummer. Obviously, when any you know kind of game that's looked forward to like that is canceled, but this one especially, just with all the the companies involved in everything. Um, you know, EA did very well uh, last year, so it's uh, it's kind of also a head scratcher as to you know why. Um, well, this I mean, thing. If we, yeah, if we really want to get into it, like everybody miss like overestimated on the pandemic. Everybody yeah. bet wrong. The entire entertainment industry bet wrong. They thought, oh, we're in this situation. And like all of us, we had COVID brain. None of us were right back then. Right. But they bet on all these ventures and all this development for home entertainment, streaming, gaming, all this stuff. And they expanded and put all this money into it. And the industry's just not there. And right. we are seeing across the entertainment industry in all areas just the the, the rebalance and the shrinkage of that. And yeah, it's it's rough, man. It is it is not not rough anywhere right now. So um, shout out to everybody who's struggling and trying to scramble and just find where to go next because yeah, it, it's just yeah, too much boat and that we don't need and just getting cut 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 away. So um and I see it in the comments. Um so I'm you know, I'm actually not sure uh now that can they take that game to another studio to build? Do they have that right? Um, yeah, I'm not sure how they, that works. That being such a, I yeah, I, I think with licensing and things, it gets it gets murky. Also, if they didn't, I don't think we would have heard it was scrapped if they saw the like, oh hey, this is going to be a huge hit and a huge money maker. Um, I feel like they would have moved another team on it as opposed to just you know, free, maybe free up respawn to do something else and then like put a smaller team on it. We've seen that before. Um, but yeah, the fact that they didn't move it at all feels like maybe yeah. they just saw it being, you know, there's so many reasons it could be, they could have just saw that it was, uh, it was going to be more financially, you know, prudent. What have we seen with the movie studios, right? With Batgirl and with the Acme now and all that, like, it's just, you know, more financially yeah, think, prudent for them to just cut it off. But and I think, yeah, it's not like we shouldn't get lost in the can we move this to Netflix model because in TV or film, like you're keeping the same team, you just have another backer behind them. It's different. Right. Like with gaming, like you can't take the coding that one team did and just throw it in front of another team and be like, do this. It's yeah. like, what? Like, and we've stuff. seen that happen and it's almost always a train wreck. Because yeah, because it's, like, it's like if I gave somebody a piece of my writing, a novel I was writing was like, okay, now you finish it. It's like, that has happened before, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, part three. Uh, but it, it it never works out well. It feels like a Frankenstein, and you end up with like Joss to you know, Joss to yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, you I wrote a whole book about corn, and I tried to pass that off to someone else, and they could not pick up where I left off. That's weird. All right, so we're gonna move into something else. Uh, well, we're gonna move into something before you move on. I just want to say the thing with Acme and now this Mando game is I'm just so curious about like what was the hierarchy ranking system of what to keep and what to cut. And like yeah. what was kept and why? Like a Mando game seems like such an easy layup right. win. So what was kept? 
you know, Twisted Metal is more of a like, it's it's a big IP and it it's been a classic IP, but it's also been a really long time since that the game side of that kind of had the cachet and was a sales force. Um, it's you know, Twisted Metal Black I think was the last time that that franchise really was like, oh, this is going to sell units. This is a, you know, a big kind of uh, temple game for us. And it's been a long time since then. So, you know, for that, but yeah, Mando is odd. I mean, you know, 1313 was odd. I mean, that it's like Star Wars at that point was hotter than ever, you know? So, uh, but, you know, again, we've, we've seen big IP not do well over the last couple of years as well. We've seen multiple iterations of that. So you can't always bet on that either. Uh, but let's move into some things that uh, are happening uh, into the tabletop world. Uh, if you've, uh, I, I'm a huge Dying Light fan. I really enjoy Dying Light too. Uh, and now it is making its jump over to the board game space and it is on Kickstarter now. Um, I will uh, hopefully get to try this out uh, personally very, very soon. Uh, but we have an interview with the uh, design team. Uh, it is on Kickstarter now. I will say uh, what they're doing with, you know, for those who have played Dying Light, obviously parkour is a huge part of that game. Uh, and how you deal with the infected um, and how that kind of changes up. We've, we've had so many different uh, zombie style games, right? So it, it's important to kind of highlight the differences. Uh, and that's something the video game does. And I think they've really uh, cracked a, a special code here to move that to tabletop. I mean, this game literally comes with you actually have buildings that are like 3D buildings up from the board and you're able to maneuver around it and you're it, like all of that plays an important part. Uh, they figured out a way to do uh, like UV light because that plays a factor in the game, right? And as you see in the trailer, they actually like figured out a way um, to like light those up and, and still replicate that. So they're doing a lot of great stuff here, moving the experience from the video game to the board game. Uh, so it's on Kickstarter now. Uh, We'll have a bunch more coverage uh, coming very soon. Uh, and then the next one uh, is close to uh, my heart because if you watch The Pull List, you know I'm a big fan of the Massiverse uh, and everything they're doing over in Radiant Black. Uh, and there is actually a Massiverse card game that is currently on Kickstarter right now. Uh, it's a like straight up battler, like 1v1. Uh, it has eight, comes with the core set, comes with eight characters. It's like the big the big guns and then they're villains. So if you're a fan of that expanded universe, Rogue Sun, Dead Lucky, uh, Dead Lucky is actually one of the more challenging characters to play because you kind of start off like you have to essentially armor her up and get those cards into your deck, but then she can like go full mech. It's, it's really cool. They've paid a lot of attention to how the characters are unique in the comics and really turn that into an actual game you can play. Uh, and, and the arts, uh, fantastic. And so I, I'm a really big fan of this. Also, it's like super quick. Uh, it's something that someone can teach really quickly, which is just so important to me for, for board games, uh, to get past that kind of intimidation factor and stuff. So yes, uh, definitely, uh, something to check out. We'll, we'll have more coverage of this as well. And my impressions will be up on the site relatively soon. Uh, and then uh, last uh, but not least, we're going to dip into AEW because AEW has revolution this weekend. Uh, and as we mentioned before, this is this is a big deal for a number of reasons. There's some big titles on the line, big matches, but it is Sting's final match. Uh, we've been building to this you know, retirement, he announced that he would have his final match um, 
at Revolution, you know, months ago. Uh, and then we learned that his opponents would be the Young Bucks and that Darby Allen will be teaming up with him. Then he won title gold. You know, he's a tag team champion. Uh, he hadn't won a championship in his time in AEW. So that was a big deal. So now we lead into here and it's, you know, we've actually, um, Haley, uh, part of our wrestling team is going to be there uh, watching and I'm, and I'm very jealous because Sting is like my favorite wrestler of all time. <laughs> Sting is like it. I, I associate so many great wrestling memories with Sting and that Crow Sting uh, in WCW. So there's just a special place uh, in my heart for 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 his across. I mean, the guy's been in Impact, TNA, WCW, WWE, now AEW, and he's been fantastic the entire time. So I will be sad to finally see him retire and, and kind of hang the boots up. But at the same time, like, you know, it's amazing what he's still doing uh, at his age and with the amount of, you know, uh, wear on the tires and he's still going out there doing some spots. I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> please don't do that. Please don't hurt yourself. Uh, so it will be a big event. Uh, and I am jealous of anyone who gets to kind of be there live. It's going to be something special. Uh, of course though, we do have some other great matches. Uh, Tony storm, timeless Tony storm is going to be facing Deanna Parazzo, uh, for the AEW women's championship. Uh, we also have a, uh, three way, um, a triple threat, and so Samoa Joe will be defending uh, his championship. So it's 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 a great card. It's going to be a long night, but I mean, I got to say, like everyone's going to be paying attention to Sting. We could get a surprise. It was actually something I was going to ask Connor about. We could get, uh, you know, there've been a lot of rumors for Okada showing up in AEW, and this could be the spot to do it. Uh, so we'll see. They might save that for later. Obviously, there are also the heavily implied rumors of Mercedes Monet jumping to AEW, but that doesn't seem to be happening here. That's going to happen in its own event. So lots of intrigue around here. I think it's, you know, last year was a little rough for AEW and just because of all the like internal turmoil and the CM Punk stuff and all that stuff. So I think this could be a really, the last you know few months, it feels like it's been building. And I think this could be a really great way to uh, set off the rest of the year. So we will we will see how this goes. I will get all of Connor's uh, impressions uh, later on a later episode. We'll, we'll revisit it and see what we think. But uh, that is wrestling this weekend. And that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. But this is just the live show. You need to go back into the feed if you want to go and hear us talk about Avatar The Last Airbender in full spoilers. What's going on with the Naruto movie? The comics like Radiant Black, Spider-Man, Gang War, and Why We Keep Stumping just re almost religiously for DC's The Penguin series right now. If you aren't reading that, go listen to pull list and check out why. Also, if you guys are locked in a room somewhere playing Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, yeah, our kind of uh, in-progress review is spoiler-free, so if you're not at the end, we don't ruin any of that. We're just talking about why this game is a game-changer for remakes, why it's kind of exponentially better than you know Final Fantasy Remake, the first installment, and Matt and Evan kind of really break down why you need to be in on this. So go check that out as well. And if you're watching Halo, be sure to check out me and Matt breaking down the latest episode and talking to Riz as we kind of dissect all the big turns that are happening in this season. 
If you want to talk about everything that happened in Marvel, head over to the Marvel feed with Phase Zero. And if you're trying to catch some Pokemon, our Wild Pokemon Has Appeared podcast has all the tips, latest updates, and everything you need. Otherwise, we're getting out of here. We've done our job today. The live show is done. Shout out to Connor Casey over in Italy. Also, I don't say it enough, but shout out to everybody in my life who uh, called me about Shogun this week. It was weird. I had all these people. I meant to say that during that segment. My little brother, Chike Outlaw. My elder brother, Lucius Outlaw, have been big fans of this show since day one. Uh, my old buddy, Jeff Rosenthal, great lawyer, entertainment lawyer. Keep that number around if you're working in the industry right now. And uh, yeah, a lot of other people that I'm sorry if I'm forgetting you. I'm just blanking right now. But oh, my buddy, Jay Pass, who always listens in and drops creepy comments as weird under weird names to mess with me. Love that kind of stuff. That's true friendship. But uh, everybody's been on board and we've been having a great time kind of reminiscing about Shogun. So shout out to all the people in my life. I don't shout out on this show enough. <laughs> shout out to my co-hosts, Matthew Aguilar and Janelle Wheeler. Always love when three of us get back together. If you guys don't know, <laughs> uh, this show is six years old. And for about five of those, we we it was the three of us just slugging through a whole lot of dark times <laughs> in the pandemic and whatnot. So always good Eating to see Eating rats, you. evidently. <laughs> Yeah, even <laughs> good times. I was really affected by that last voyage of the Detmer thing. I was like, I get that. Yeah, trying to cross the continent, and you only got rats and weird things. To eat. I need a sailor. Let's go. Let's get some full blood. But uh, now we're here, and uh, yeah, it's a great time, and always great to see you guys. This is Comic Book Nation. Everybody, we made it through this leap year weirdness into March. Hopefully, some spring, and uh, let's. I'm feeling positive. Let's get out of here. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.